1: What's up, Nets fans? Welcome to the Brooklyn Buzz. I'm Nick Faye. With me as always, Jack Manuel. And Jack, free agency has kicked off.
2: Cam back. Joe gone.
1: Yeah, pretty much. Uh Joe Harris out of here. Sent to Detroit. Cam Johnson resigns. We're going to jump to that and plenty more. Make sure you check the buzz on all streaming platforms. Hit that subscribe button. Drop a review. But Jack, who are we starting with?
2: I actually want to work through this chronologically because I think it's best to do that. Because I think these two things were intrinsically kind of linked. I woke up to the joe harris news you sent it to me i looked into it found i'm like cool that's a good move nice little salary dump open up opens up a new tpe for the likes of dejounte murray Inobi, a few other guys which is probably not going to be used you know they the nets aren't going to use it It seems very unlikely surprise maybe next sure. offseason but in saying that maybe next offseason but in saying that it took out the Detroit Pistons as being one of the key suit suitors for Cam Johnson. We sort of alluded to that on our pod where we discussed Cam Johnson in depth. And I was like, oh, sweet. Maybe the Nets are going to get him on the cheap now. You know, 490, something like that. I tweeted, I wanted to do some funny sort of stuff where you linked up with the Twins and put the 491, I think it was, is what Mikhail Bridges is on. But when we did get the, the details coming out, it is four years, $108 million with incentives, uh, according to Mike Scotto and Woz. So I thought that was a little hefty, not awful, but it certainly doesn't have the value that a 490 or a 4, even 100 deal has. So I think when we were speaking about the number, we sort of said 4, 110 was the limit. This pushes it a little bit, Nick. Yeah, it does. Uh, and like you mentioned, you know, contract up to
1: 108 million, you know, we're not sure what the exact details are, you know, what the incentives are it could be anywhere from like one to $2 million a year. Um, We'll see what happens. You know, I think if you just had a look at this from behind the scenes, you know, it'd probably be something along the lines of the Nets let Detroit know that they were going to spend, you know, 27 million. And that's kind of what they were looking at. And that's the contract they were going to get and letting them know, like, hey, we're going to match whatever you send. So you can make this deal with us about Joe Harris, or we can, you know, let this drag out in free agency. Detroit kind of understood what was going on. The Nets send Joe Harris and two second round picks to Detroit, clear $19 million in cap space, almost 20 million, and set themselves up to take on the Cam Johnson contract while staying under the luxury tax and giving them a little wiggle room, you know, when it comes to potentially using some of that mid-level exception or using one of those trade exceptions. You know. With these moves and the cap holds of the first round picks of uh, Noah Clowney and Dariq Whitehead, the Nets are at around 159 million dollars. You know, roughly. We don't know the exact details of you know the Cam Johnson contract or any other parts of you know the exact details of everyone's contract, but that gives them about six million dollars of wiggle room, and they could potentially add more if they you know get off of Royce O'Neill, Patty Mills, or even Dorian Finney-Smith in a deal that saves them
2: money. Yeah and those ones could happen by the yeah. time while we're recording you know we're doing this at 10:10 10, 10 a.m my time in Australia saturday 8:10 p.m next time in the, the East Coast of America. So I think in going back to Joe Harris, because I think we'll work through it sequentially and we'll dive a bit deeper into the Cam Johnson contract ramifications, how it could affect the roster, the CBA, Klax, the future, etc. But just to give a shout out to Joe Harris, I know both you and I have been on him in different points, but I also have a, a, t- a shirt that has Joe Harris's face on it. Yeah. You know, I was on the big Joe Harris stands, and you know, back in the day when we were first starting the buzz, I was just a big fan of his and to what he did to garner himself that contract in the first place is a full credit to him and how he's reformed his career and value as an NBA player. It just it it, it just wasn't good enough. You know, the ankle injury certainly hurt him in terms of his ability to be an effective NBA player in the regular season and postseason, hopefully in Detroit or if he gets bought out somewhere else, he can provide another team a semblance of value. But look, his playoffs certainly left a lot to be desired, but I'm not going to kick a man while he's down. I I, I thought he provided quite a bit for the Brooklyn Nets, you know, the sort of remaining relic of the 2018-19 Brooklyn Nets that Nets Twitter seems to have an, an adoration of. But in saying that, Full kudos to Joe. He did a lot for himself. I think he's like the 12th highest scoring Brooklyn Net of yeah. all time in, in the franchise history, which is wild to say. You know, leading three-point shooter. He did a a lot for the franchise. He didn't do it when the moments maybe mattered most. I think the Milwaukee series certainly does stick out the most. But you can make an argument for that Boston series where he did stick out as well in a more positive fashion. But look, had a great Brooklyn Nets career. And I think it'll be remember, remembered remembered. Overwhelmingly fondly because of the majority of his time and his regular season play, the three point shooting contest, all that sort of fun stuff. But yeah, kudos to Joe. Um, a little bit, you know, I wish he could have done a little bit more when the moments did matter, but he did quite a bit nonetheless.
1: Yeah, you appreciate, you know, the help he gave to the team and the franchise kind of getting back on track. And like you mentioned, a lot of regular season success, a lot of negative marks in the playoffs. And then, you know, the ankle injury kind of, I don't want to say ruined his career because it's not over yet, but definitely hampered him substantially, you know, watching him play this last season, just wasn't able to move quite the same way. You know, driving really wasn't a thing anymore. Defensively wasn't never great, but clearly lost a step this year. So it's tough to see, you know, an injury, especially one that required two surgeries, you know, kind of hamper him so much, but, you know, it was the right time to move on, you know, and, you know, some would argue that maybe the Nets should have made a trade with him, 2 years ago with Detroit, you know, sending him at the deadline for Jeremy Grant, which was something we discussed a lot back then. You know, they elected to ride with Joe Harris and he never really got back to playing at an elite shooting level. And you know, it it stinks that it's injury related, but it ended up helping the team. And I think at the end of the day, you know, they got off a really good chunk of salary. You know, we're not talking about $8 million, $10 million. We're talking about almost $20 million. At the price of just two second round picks, and not to say second round picks are worthless because I think they're more valuable with the new CBA and the need to find role players for a cheap amount, but still, you know, in past seasons, you could argue that might have cost you a first.
2: Uh, the Nets got $110,000 in return <laughs> as well, I think, mean, via James Edwards of the Athletics. So the Nets got a little bit of cashola themselves. Look. $110,000 is nothing to sneeze about for a regular person. But when it comes to the, the roster machinations in the CBA, it means nothing. I think it's the minimum that can be sent back in yep. return when it comes to a trade like that. So look, anything else in Joe Harrison. I think, I think the one thing that disappoints me most about this is I had, like, I was like, oh, short marks, tick. I was getting like, everyone was back Everyone was back on the short marks bandwagon. After some people jumping off, maybe including myself, but then the Cam Johnson deals comes. The Cam Johnson deals comes through a couple of hours sort of later, and we're like, "Ah, oh, okay, a bit much." How do you think that? Like, I just f- felt that if there were no suitors, because Bruce Brown went to Indiana, and I think Indiana yeah. were a suitor for them, the Sacramento Kings re-signed Harrison Barnes, and the Washington Wizards re-signed Karl Kuzma. Who were the Nets bidding against, Nick?
1: Yeah, I, I'm not sure. You know, this is kind of one of those things that I think we'll never really know the answer to. You know, just because there's so much in terms of negotiation behind the scenes and happening before 6 p.m., you know, I think there's probably a lot of chatter and maybe that's a number the Nets knew they needed to hit potentially, or maybe they just wanted to swing at a big contract and make sure that there wasn't a chance of losing Cam Johnson. And he wanted to feel appreciated in Brooklyn. Like you said, it's clearly an overpay, you know, maybe Cam will improve his game and make the contract more valuable. I think one thing working well for the Nets is the fact that the salary cap is going to continue to rise over the next couple of seasons. But also the fact is, you know, it's up to $108 million. We don't know the full details on everything in that contract. So I'm sure that'll be released in the coming weeks. And, you know, maybe it's more like, you know, 25 million a year instead of 27. And I think 25 is definitely a little bit easier to stomach rather than 27, where it just feels like it was just a touch too high. And like you mentioned, you know, maybe there's this, there's no suitors out there, but we're potentially suitors because they knew the nets were going to match whatever was sent to him.
2: Yeah, it just feels weird that Cam Johnson is getting paid more than Mikhail Bridges. And yeah. I get that the, the economics and the market, and the, it, this is sort of like 2016 17 offseason when Timofey Mozgov and Gorgie Jane got their sort of deals. I think Cam Johnson is a much more valuable player. And I sort of what sort of stuck in my head was the most recent version of Cam Johnson. And I think it's worth bringing that up, Nick, in terms of what he produced in the playoffs 18.5 points, 5.8 rebounds, 2.8 assists shooting nearly 60% from two and nearly 43% from three. If we get that Cam Johnson, that's going to be worth it. Now, obviously it's going to be about consistency for him. And there's a lot of other different things. Like he said, you know, going off in the exit interviews, he wants to improve X, Y, and Z in terms of his creation. Isn't the best defender in the world, but does enough, you know, has plenty of size about him at that sort of three, four position. So if we get, those numbers from cam johnson nick maybe you want to increase those assist numbers a little bit i think that's when you go okay 25 million dollars 25 million dollars per annum for a guy that shoots 50 40 90 you know and you know on on 18 20 points a game five boards two or three assists that's value it's whether cam johnson can reproduce that for 82 games and plus
1: and stay healthy you know that's an important thing for him he's dealt with injuries in his career and like you mentioned you know in that Philadelphia series, he looked really good. And I think he has potential to improve as a playmaker and ball handler. You know, we've talked about that early on with his stint in Brooklyn. So there's a chance it's fine. The contract's fine. But as of right now, as I mentioned, just a slight overpay, nothing that's going to you know cripple the franchise, not anything super drastic. That's the worst contract on earth or anything like that. But again, he has to become more consistent. I think He has to really get that next level of polish as a shooter where it just feels like automatic on every wide open three and things along those lines. You know, he shot a good percentage, but I think there's probably an area where he can improve there. As you mentioned, defensively, he's good enough. He's not, you know, the best defender on the team, but he's not necessarily someone who's going to be targeted to the highest extent. So happy to see him back and just really curious to see how much he can improve because you know, it's rare that you see a 27 year old really make strides in terms of their game at this point in their career. But given he was, you know, an older draft pick and in, in Phoenix, he really didn't necessarily have a large role in terms of creation and opportunities and freedom where you just saw more freedom for him and Mikhail Bridges right off rip when they landed in Brooklyn.
2: Yeah. And I think we got the Uh, The peak of him was those playoffs. You know, he had some inconsistencies from three, finding his footing defensively as well, figuring out the scheme and such. So, look. I think it is an overpay, and I'm not the most comfortable in the world about it because of the nature of the circumstances. Like it's Kyle Kuzma got four, one or two and we can have that discussion in a little bit, but I just think that the nets were going up against no one. Like it's, this is clearly like we sort of said that there could have been a wink, wink, handshake deal behind the scenes, but if you do a wink, wink, handshake deal behind the scenes, like you've got to like get some value in return. It's just, the Nets, in terms of the contracts that they ha- still have on their roster, and you go, who are value guys here? Ben Simmons? No. We'll turn into one eventually. Spencer Dimwitty? No. Cam Johnson? No. Like Mikhail Bridges is the guy that you go, man, that is like one of the best deals in the league. But when you have three other average to bad contracts on your roster, it just hampers you a little bit. And we haven't even discussed Nick Claxton of it all. So look, I think if Cam Johnson can reproduce what he produced in that first round series against the Philadelphia 76ers he was our second best player and did so on very efficient volume sort of shooting and you know playing 36 minutes of sort of game and such Like, if that's going to be the case then look I'm comfortable with 4108 4100 4104 whenever you put in uh, the incentives and such i think it's just going to be on my confidence in that isn't astronomically high we sort of speak about you know floor ceiling sort of thing, you know, Mikael Bridges ceiling is, you know, we know what it can be. Cam Johnson's ceiling is third best player on the championships for the team, but we're and sort of seeing like best that,
1: case scenario, like that's the, but, the top ceiling.
2: Yeah. And look, Jeremy Grant got a five year, $160 million deal. So I think it's worth discussing the comparison points.
0: We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring the best way to search for a candidate Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.
2: But the direct comparison point is Kyle Kuzma, Nick, who I think the discussion has been brought up. There's polls is and a lot of people sort of saying, look, we wanted Kyle Kuzma on this team. We thought maybe he could have come to this team. Maybe not when Spencer Dimity was here. But in saying that, Carl Kuzma v. Cam Johnson. Those contracts are pretty similar. Where would you run? Write- other have and this is taking the deal into account not just a vacuum of who's a better player but the player and the deal
1: yeah it's a really interesting conversation I think Kuz is probably better at a lot of things um I think Cam's probably you know completely better at shooting especially as a three-point shooter in terms of space on the floor so you could argue that cam probably complements his star better but in terms of like being a better better player in terms of creation playmaking scoring you know rebounding and you no know, defense I think, yeah i yeah. was gonna say kuz is you know maybe not as much in washington the last you know two seasons but when he was in la he really showcased his ability to defend so i think you know it's pretty easy to argue that kuzma is a better player i think the only thing you really have for cam is the shooting and maybe he just fits better, you know, next to stars or other potential, you know, teams. And I think that does have value, but probably not, you know, $2 million a year difference. I think they're probably should be almost on the same contract. Like you said, you know, it's it's really hard to know exactly what went on with the negotiations and how much chatter was happening with other teams and other suitors potentially chasing Cam.
2: Yeah. And look, the the Houston Rockets are still in the market for yeah. where they're going to put their money so, were and they'd like they like to the behind the, yeah. Look, obviously, they would because of the nature of them getting better I means us getting worse, means their picks get better that they have via us. So, that, that could have been happening. Maybe we hear something from Woj if the Twitter. Yeah, uh, discourse becomes a bit louder. So it's like, there was significant interest in Cam Johnson. And it's just clearly coming from sean Marks to sort of alleviate the the pressure on him. I don't know. That might happen. It would not surprise me at all. We know what Woj what, is what like, and he's the one that reported this deal in the first place. So, I, I think uh, in a vacuum, I, I call it Karl is a better player. I think yeah. three point shooting is a premium. And but I think that the defensive value. I think Carl Cruz is a bit of a rebounder as well. Yeah, I think he's sort of like, and he's he's a champion. Like this guy's proven that he can do it uh, when the games do matter. The Nets could have had him as well. And you know the Faye Mozgov uh, deal back in the day with angel Russell and stuff. So it's sort of a bittersweet to an or extent. But I, I still think that too. So I, I think I'm happy enough with Cam Johnson. I, I think I'm, I'm happy for him and and you know his future. This is this sort of deal. I sort of spoke to you about when we were discussing the free agency sort of stuff and all the many episodes we've done lately. I was like, look, this this is gonna be Cam Johnson's big deal because by the end of it, he's gonna be in his early 30s. And what's that next still gonna look like? It's not gonna be a four-one a hundred sort of deal. It'll be a two fifty or two forty or something like that. So he's doing some generational wealth for himself and his family which is which is great and i'm I'm super happy for him but looking at this from an objective lens it, it's somewhat irksome it's just like man like if you're not a contending team and you're giving guys these the, helping big on that in terms of you know making sure you're managing the cap correctly with all these ramifications coming in soon the nets are I guess that's, I'm not sure if you've said that yet, but where do the Nets currently stand when it comes to the CBA, their, their, their salary cap and such, now with this Cam Johnson deal and Joe Harris being traded to Detroit?
1: Yeah. uh, I'll just touch on the Cam Johnson, you know, 27 million plus Mikel's 23, you know, you're looking at about 50 million. So it kind of ruins some of the value of his value contract in terms of Mikel bridges. But at the end of the day, you had that luxury because you had him such an amazing deal. And in terms of where the nets are at cap wise, um, like I mentioned, they're probably about 6 million under the luxury tax. And that's including the cap holds for pick 21, pick 22. And obviously, I don't work for the NBA, so I don't have the exact details for all the cap numbers, and we don't know the starting point for Cam Johnson's salary. You now I'm just penciling it in as 27 million. It's probably lower than that. So they could have a little bit more wiggle room. Uh, they do have the ability to use you know the full uh mid-level exception. So they could, you know, sign a free agent out there, they could hard cap themselves. So if they do that, unless they trade off another contract, and then also as I mentioned, they could use the trade exception. To acquire a player without sending anything back other than draft picks. So there's some flexibility to improve the team. And I think that was the most important thing with the Joe Harris deal. You know, obviously the Cam Johnson contract could potentially ruin some of that. But until we see the full details, we don't know to which extent.
2: Yeah. When you look at the fact that Ben Simmons, Cam Johnson, and Spencer Dinwoody are combined for $85 million, it sort of just leaves you, it makes you go, Egh. like, really? Like those three guys? And look, Everyone's like, well, the Ben Simmons comeback season happening. Well, it's not happening for the <laughs> Boomers, and we can bring like the BS report for this episode if you want. Hopefully, it happens with the Brooklyn Nets. That was a joint decision. You know, we didn't touch on that news, but we just did. That's enough with that. Cam Johnson's deal is probably the best out of the three, I guess. But yeah, we've even Spencer's heard Spencer's deal which, really like, isn't
1: that bad. I don't. I think that uh, there's like an irrational hate for Spencer. I think if he's, you know your fourth best player making 20 million dollars expiring i don't think that's the end of the world like if the nets wanted to move spencer they could and they had opportunities to move him last year at the deadline so i don't think his contract's not a great value but i wouldn't consider it a bad contract especially because it's expiring
2: yeah and the the issue is that, and look we can get into it because we're, we're discussing spencer did what he really now is that in begley has reported that the Nets could be interested in a contract extension for Spencer Dinwiddie. And if that is the case, and you extend him on a similar, you know, another two years, $40 million, that's like, what are we... It's us when we speak about the direction of the Nets. Yes. What is our direction if we are re-signing Spencer Dinwiddie, Cam Johnson for another four years, and then maybe our a player with our highest potential and highest upside as a young talent is Nick Claxton, who could be offloaded because of the ramifications of those other poor deals, you know, Ben Simmons uh, excluded. So I think that if that were to happen, I mean, Ian Begley, when he reports on the Nets, is hit and miss, much more miss. I think he he spoke a little bit about this Joe Harris trade. That's something that I'm not totally interested in, Nick. You know, i just like, if we have Cam Thomas and we've got some of these other guys, you get a Kyra Lewis in. And I I just don't want that to happen. Like, I, I just don't think that because those things just start to add up. They just start to add up. You know, a 20 million here, a 25 million there, a 38 million dollar there. It just means like Mikhail Bridges is doing all the heavy lifting when it comes to the semblance of value contracts. Like, unless the Nets were to re-sign Royce O'Neill to the mid-level taxpayer mid-level exceptional, or for a biannual exception or something like that. And or they would offload Dorian Finney Smith and bring in like Zaire Williams or something like that. They're just where they currently stand and where they could stand, there's like, uh, it's just, there's a lot of like, you know, opening, sliding, closing doors, you know, the, the different lanes on the highway as you alluded to in a previous episode.
1: Yeah. I think the interesting thing with Spencer and his extension would be the amount, you know, the salary. And I think, you know, it wouldn't be terrible to extend it because you could argue that would create more trade value because I think there are teams in the league that value Spencer. Unity. I don't think he's a player that no one wants in the league. So if they're able to get him at a fair number, you know, that would just give you a trade chip potentially for the next couple of seasons. And at the end of the day, you do need a point guard. I think if he's your backup point guard playing in a six man role playing as your fifth starter or something like that, he's a fine player, but obviously the amount is going to matter. And then also the other moves that the team makes is going to be huge. I think the end of the day with Ben Simmons, you just have to look at it as like sunken cost. Like there's not really much you can do about that. It'd be great. if he comes back, but at the end of the day, it's a bad contract on your books and you have to live with it. And some of that's really, you know, injury related and, you know, confidence related. So it's really hard to know what's going to happen in that situation, but you know, It stinks about Ben, but at the same time, he expires in 2425. It's not like the Nets have him locked in until, you know, 2728 or anything like that. So in the near future, they could be done with Ben Simmons and even potentially in the next year or two, he could be traded. So I think It's frustrating seeing that number, but given where the nets are at, it's not the end of the world right now. You know, it's not like they're a contending team. It's like, you'd rather have that bad contract right now and expiring 24, 25 than having it when you have a contending team, like they just did with, you know, Kyrie and Katie to start the beginning of last season. So if you're going to have to deal with a bad contract like that, now is the time to deal with it and then hope to maintain flexibility. And I would say Sean Marks has been pretty good at maintaining flexibility, especially when his team isn't contending.
2: Yeah, and we heard and we spoke about you know the fact that the Nets want to get under the tax. That's yeah. done. You know, you believe what you hear when it comes to certain rumblings. So we spoke about that. That has happened with this deal. It's going to be interesting to see how much lower they can get. But I and think they could the- potentially the inter- go
1: back over it. But I would say it would have to be the perfect deal for that to happen because right now they're under it, and it also helps them avoid like the repeater tax in which they've been in the luxury tax for the last four years.
2: Yeah, look, if there is another like cost saving sort of move, like Patty Mills gets shipped to San Antonio or Royce O'Neill probably doesn't go to Cleveland, it goes somewhere else, Memphis or, or wherever else. And there is just savings and some cost cutting, and you get another like young value sort of deal, upside sort of guy. Then that's when you go, okay, there's a bit more balance to this. But if the Nets were to re sign Dinwood, and you have him on a 18 to 20 million dollar deal. Cam Johnson on a 27, $25 million deal and Mikael Bridges on like a $22 million deal. It's just like that money, like 60 million ish dollars to two through three guys that one has all-star potential two others who are role players in any sort of situation it's just not how you build a roster, and I look again. This is hypothetical about the Spencer Dimwitty stuff, but the Cam Johnson sort of thing means you have to find some value elsewhere. And again, as I alluded to, if he produces consistently like he did in the playoffs, my my concerns will be alleviated. It's it is an overpay. It's not an erroneous overpay, but it does affect you know our boy Nick. It affects Clack City because if you have Cam Johnson on a twenty-seven million dollar deal. You can't give Nick Claxton a $20-plus deal, even though his value probably says he deserves that. You know, he is one of the best switch de- switchable defenders in the league, defensive player of the year contender, improved his offensive game. But at the end of the day, like, a lot of people, like, are either way high on Nick Claxton, which we can be at times. But I think the objective standpoint is that you can't pay a guy like him uh, a, a, an extended amount as well. When you've got Cam Johnson, when you got Spencer Dinwiddie here, when you got Ben Simmons there, it just it it just doesn't make sense. So Nick Claxton's future as a Brooklyn Ned is affected by this Cam Johnson contract, and that's it's somewhat upsetting to say.
1: Yeah. And I think that's also something we were aware of, you know, for the last year, you know, especially with the contract in which Claxon signed, he was not eligible extension. So I, uh, ex- sorry, extension eligible. So that kind of put, you know, a, a hamper on the possibility of retaining him. So there's a fear that he could go to unrestricted free agency and just not want to be in Brooklyn. You know, he could want to go to another team and another opportunity. So trading him is a real possibility and it's been a real possibility since the trade deadline when he upped his value. So, and like you said, you know, what was it? Yaka Pertl got about $20 million a year. You know, Clax is yep. probably going to look to get more than that just because, you know, he's, you know, Monty- better, than Yaka yeah, he's better he's than- so much better than Yaka. Well, Pertl, man. Say, and he's younger and it's going to be another year and the cap's going to go up again. So contracts are just going to go up a little bit more. So it's just like, it's tough. It's a tough situation. And again, I think it also gets back to not wanting to necessarily pay him that amount, but also you don't want to take the chance of losing him for nothing. So would not be surprised if a Nick Claxton trade pops up in the next week or two or Nick, potentially stop saying, the deadline. stop
2: saying Nick Claxton and trade in the same <laughs> sentence. It gets me so freaking like depressed, like because it, it like seeing, th- obviously this is a new, completely new iteration and identity of the Brooklyn Nets, but a lot of people have made the comparison point. Well, Nick Claxton has a bigger upside than Mikhail Bridges. I totally disagree with that, but Nick Claxton can genuinely be one of the best bigs in the NBA, like sort of, Bam at a bio lights with, you know, he's just an an, an an improving offensive game. He's just defense is so valuable and he proved that he can be incredibly valuable when the games do matter as well. You know, we had our question marks you know, about that in, in different points in return when he goes up against a go kitchen and bead, you know, in that Celtic series, you know, when he's free throw shooting went down the drain and then he improved that. So it would really suck to see this happen. And, like, in a vacuum, you can make the, con- the the argument for would you rather have Cam Johnson or Nick Claxton? And that's a conversation that I don't know the answer to. Cam Johnson's shot-making is just so much better. Like, his three-point shooting has a, a high premium. But you can build a defensive identity around Nick Claxton. Like, just plainly and simply. You have Nick Claxton on your team, you might have a – a top half defense just by that. Like sort of what the, back in the days, the Rudy Gobert when this was like, yeah, you got Rudy Gobert, you got a top five defense. I think Nick Claxton is now at the point where if you have him, you might have a top 10, top 12 defense by itself. If you build the identity around his switchability, his versatility there, you got some other guys and you can have a pretty good offense as well if you have spacing around him because he works the angles really well. He's understanding to be in the dunker spot. His screenings improve. So yeah, it's, I, I think that it, that's what's probably why i mentioned the word irksome about this cam johnson deal because if it was 490 something like that you know 20 million 15 20 million dollars less it's just like okay that 15 20 million dollars could maybe go to Clax, yeah and you, you sort of get him maybe on a value sort of deal but now it doesn't eliminate the possibility of retaining nick Claxton, but it certainly makes it more unlikely and that's something that as big Clack City believers, as the population begins to grow and the houses begin to become out of rents and mortgages go up, like Nick Claxton might not be a Brooklyn net for much longer. And that is really shitty to say, Nick.
1: Yeah, especially because he's a guy they drafted and developed, and he's really taken major strides. You know, he's not like he popped in the league and he was this good. Like he went from being you know, unplayable at times, dealing with injuries, didn't have the conditioning, didn't have the strength to play, you know, a full NBA game. And then this past season, he's really turned it up. So it's going to be interesting to see how it all plays out. And does he make a drastic jump? Does there, is there some level of offensive pop that happens with Claxton this year that makes you more interested in retaining him? I think it's definitely something that's possible, but at the same time, you know, even if Cam Johnson signed for a lesser deal, I think this is always kind of, a crossroad the Nets were going to face just because of the new CBA and playing, you know, paying, you know, two role players, 20 plus million dollars. Like, can you do that while potentially having two stars? Yeah. The Nets might've got away with it. If you consider Mikel like the second best player in a championship team, but we're unsure if he's that guy yet. So it's just going to be a tough decision for Sean Marks in the front office. And also, like I said, some of it too is like you have to get a feel for how interested Klax is in coming back. You know, if he just has his eyes set on, you know, getting closer to home, you know, going to play with one of the former superstars of this team, like it, it just might be in the best interest of the Nets to move him and try to get, you know, get picks for him while his value is super high, especially because his contract right now is a steal. You know, obviously, if you trade for him, you have to resign him, but at the same time, like it's very easy to fit him in for a contender because the contract number is so low. You know, Klax is making under $10 million. Like it's not like we're talking about a guy who's making 25, he's making 9.6 mil. So very Insane. easy, easy to match him. You know, I think the biggest regret you have here is that Sean Marks didn't try to, you know, get him on a longer deal. And at the time he signed the contract, maybe it was Clax's idea to bet on himself.
2: Yeah. And look, I think you mentioned the post, this was always going to be a possibility, but it's even less of a possibility because of the Cam Johnson contract, which is what makes you, you know, more upset about it. And look, if DFS is moved for a guy on less of money and less of value, that maybe increases the likelihood. I, I don't know, but it, it just makes you go and you just compare, as you alluded to, Jakob Pertl, $20 million per annum, Jared Allen, $20 million per annum, Nikola Vucevic, about $20 million per annum. Nick Claxton is better than all three of those guys. Like he just is. And obviously... It's going to be about what the market dictates. What's the free agency going to look like next year? What are the available centers that could be there and et cetera, et cetera? But it's just look, we've been Nick Claxon might have been our favorite player over the in the history of this podcast, which is why we're having such a deep discussion about it. You know, Clack City and just Clack City. It's just I'm not like getting emotional, (laughs) but I'm I'm borderline getting there, man. Like, because I love Cam Johnson and you know what he proved like that he could do with the opportunities like he was getting offered 472 464 we had that discussion a little bit and he's bet on himself when he's gotten the money super happy for him but i'm also like just thinking about the whole picture of the Nets squad overall there's gaps and there's just a lot of different ramifications and yeah it's it just we'll, we'll see what happens the next episode we do could be an interesting one
1: yeah, it could be a potential trade. It could be something else. You know, we'll see how it kind of all plays out. I will say this, and this isn't, you know, in disregards to Klaxon's ability, but at the end of the day, we've seen a lot of championship teams fill up that center position with a cheap contract or a guy that doesn't necessarily close games. So when you're building a team, it's something you have to consider, especially with, you know, some of Clax's liability. So looking at it and, you know, if you do keep Dorian Finney-Smith, he's a guy that can play small ball five a bit, You know, it's also just kind of what the clock is for this team. And that's kind of still what we're figuring out. We know Cam Johnson's resigned. We know Joe Harris is gone, but there still has to be other moves, you know, other things that kind of give us an idea of what the direction is. And even then, we might not know what the team is looking to do until the first couple months of the season. You know, are they leaning into Cam Thomas being a part of the future? Is he a guard that they're going to kind of give the keys to the second unit and let him cook a little bit because that's going to, you know, play an impact in a whole bunch of different things. Or what are, you know, do they go for veterans? Do they go for upside guys? Like, how do they fill out the rest of the roster? It's going to be really interesting. And today was just kind of the first domino, but it didn't knock down the rest of the bunch. You know, it just kind of started the flow. So we'll see how it all plays out. But Jack, any other thoughts on anything that happened today?
2: No, plenty of questions, some answers, but not the, the, the book is, has not... Fully been written yet, Nick.
1: Yeah, we're we're not even probably done with chapter one of the offseason. You know, we're literally less than three hours into NBA free agency. So a lot can still play out today, this week, this month, and the rest of the summer. So we'll see how it goes. Jack, always a pleasure. Big thanks to everybody listening. Check the buzz on all streaming platforms. Did you know a 2018 study showed half of prenatal vitamins tested had unacceptable levels of heavy metals? I'm Kat